if this had to happen, some pretty good stuff has happened since then. Welcome to the Comeback Club podcast, hosted by me, Grace Linsky. Every week, I'll be speaking to an extraordinary person overcoming an extraordinary thing and reminding us that if they can do it, then so can you. So if you're ready, let's do this. Our next guest for the podcast is Beth French, who sadly lost her mum at the age of just 20, describing it as feeling like her whole world had ended and that her future had been snatched away from her. But just a year after her loss, Beth started the platform Let's Talk About Loss, describing it to show the transformative power of talking about grief and loss. And now she has over 20 groups across the UK for young people who have been bereaved to meet, support and uplift each other. Oh, Beth, thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Same. I've actually been like, you know, always, always watching what you've been doing for a long time, actually. And I feel like we've been kind of like from afar, just, you know, supporting, which is nice. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, online? Because you feel like you know someone really well. Yeah. You've never spoken to them or seen them. You just like are an Insta fan. You're you're an Insta friend, an Insta best friend. I love that phrase. So the comeback we're going to be discussing today is obviously around grief and loss. Um, was this where you thought your life would be several years ago? Nope. (laughs) I had no desire to be a girl who talks about death all the time. And I did not think that I would be running like a charity for for people who are grieving. Like, that was not a life goal of mine. But here we are. And you know what? I actually love it now. I'm glad. Honestly, I'm the same. I would never have... I mean, if, if you'd have told 16-year-old me that you're going to be all, like, deep and, like, talking about trauma and people's problems, I'd be like, fuck's sake, Grace, you failed me. Like, that is not cool. But I think it is kind of cool now, you know? Yeah, and everyone... A lot of people are doing, like, a lot of sort of activism and, like, community work. And, like, it's quite exciting that our generation wants to like make the world better in Mm. in some little way so definitely it's yeah it is cool yeah I feel like there is such a positive shift at the moment happening in our generation that's just like I think the people before us did a pretty good job of fucking it up so let's try and try and salvage it a bit claw back what we can yeah anyway um if you don't mind would you would you mind sharing with us just a little summary of your story just for people listening? Yeah, so in 2015, um my my mum died. Um her name was Susan. She was amazing. She was like the best mum I've ever had. So <laughs> I we had a really close relationship, um, got on really well. She had cancer. Um She'd been diagnosed in 2013, um, so she sort of had two years um, and then she died. And, you you know, it just completely changed my life. Mm. You You can't experience a trauma like that and not be just completely 
irreversibly changed Mm -hmm. and so I feel that that it was it's very like a before I had a life before mum died and I have a life after mum died and I always in my mind when I'm thinking of something that happened in the past I'm like was that pre the death or post the death (laughs) sounds really morbid but it's a good marker for like when what year something happened I'm like was mum still alive at that time Beth 1.0 and then Beth 2.0 yeah definitely and you know what like actually I like this version of myself more you know I'd give up a lot of things I'd give up basically everything I've done with let's talk about loss to give up to to have my mum back you know I of course I can't say oh you know it's worth it or anything like that but that happened and I, and I can't change that and I just knew that I felt very lonely after my mum died I felt very much that I was like the only young person who'd ever experienced it because I was 20 when she died and I sort of knew that that couldn't be the case but I was like but where's where are all the people my age who are talking about grief so I just sort of went out and like forced them to be my friends (laughs) and I was like right I'm just and I just wanted to build this community of people who got it and people who are in the same sort of situation as me and that's where let's talk about loss really started was just sort of I was living in Nottingham at the time and I just sort of put out a few things on social media and just sort of started like gathering people being like let's talk about this like please talk about it with me because Mm -hmm. it's so important to do isn't it and so key that that people feel like they have a safe space to to chat you know in lots of different aspects of life but certainly with grief. A hundred percent. And I think as well, just normalizing it, because what I found after experiencing loss, I was like, okay, I feel like everyone just needs to man the fuck up because everyone at some point, whether we like it or not, will be affected by grief. Everyone. It will either be a parent in when hopefully you're older and maybe in your 60s, 70s. Or, you know, it could be a, a, a friend or a distant, um, you know, acquaintance. But it it just makes no sense to me that everyone seems to be so scared of it and so worried about talking about it, but everyone at some point is going to deal with it. It's a bit like everyone being scared to talk about like, and and even like mental health. Now it's amazing. We're talking about that more, but I think grief is like next in line for that. I hope so. Cause the mental health conversation has really picked up recently. I think people don't want to talk about death because they're almost worried that it's like contagious mm, like oh, yeah. oh if I talk to Beth about her mum dying maybe that makes my mum more likely to die like what mm. <laughs> that's like irrational but I wonder if there's this unconscious fear of like I don't want to talk about it in case it happens to me and it's so like- I just won't talk about it yeah and I think maybe an element of it makes it real like, if I don't talk about it, it's not real and it will never happen to me. But if I actually consider it as, like, an actual possibility in my life, then, you know, even that's a lot to cope with, isn't it? I, I know that when Jim was alive and even when he was poorly, I never even contemplated, the the like, him actually dying. It's weird, isn't it? Did you, did you find that? Like, I know, like, with your mum being poorly... 
definitely. And actually, it's really interesting with um, my mum's death because she knew from quite an early stage in her diagnosis that it was likely to be terminal, but she didn't tell me and my siblings that. She kept that from us. And so there was a real sense of optimism and hope. And especially with cancer, like it is very common, but there are a lot of, you can easily look around our friends or, you know, celebrities and be like oh well they had cancer and they're fine now so mm-hmm. sure you know surely that will happen to mum and and I think actually in some ways that's a helpful coping mechanism because you know when you've got time with that person they're still alive you, you want to just like make the most of it and you don't want to be sort of worrying about what's going to happen after mm-hmm. they die so because you want to just be like living living that life but then on the other hand I think if you're not prepared for someone dying the grief is very different and it can sort of really take you by surprise and for me I've still you know six years on feel a lot of shock at the fact that my mum died Mm. and I wonder if I'd have known more that she was probably terminal like I would have had a more time while she was alive to get used to that fact mm. um and, you know, I might have grieved differently but we can't you know you can't know that it's a tricky one isn't it because I I, I don't think either option is any better to be honest I think yeah. sometimes I think gosh maybe it would have just been less painful to not experience like watching them de- deteriorate but then like you say, if it happens out of the blue, it's how do you how do you process that? Like one day they're there in your life and everything's fine and then they're not. It's just, it's a lot to take in. But yeah, I mean, and you say as well, like I really resonate with what you were saying about you felt like you were the only person to have like been dealing with grief and like trauma. How did you kind of cope in those initial aftermath or a couple of years or whatever or even when she was still ill and because I imagine you know even then not many people your age really understood like what it's like to have a parent that's critically ill yeah it was really strange because I was at university I I went to uni just a week after mum was diagnosed So from the moment I like started university, my mum had cancer and that was just like a fact about my life. And I really struggled with just like not wanting to talk about it because like you're at uni, you're trying to make a good impression, make loads of friends. And then you've got like, oh, but my mum's got cancer. So I felt actually one of the easiest ways for me to deal with it. And especially as well after she died was just not like not to talk about it that much not to think about it and almost just to like bury it and get on with other stuff Mm -hmm. so when she died I went back to uni for my third year and I just I just studied like crazy you know like threw myself into studying as like a distraction really Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who are grieving do that where they there's something that just distracts them just for a little while so their brain can be like what the hell's just happened Mm. and then when your brain's a bit more ready to like start processing it then you know 
that is when the grieving process tends to start and it's often like a couple of years down the line when Mm -hmm. people are like oh (laughs) I wasn't expecting this but it's almost like your brain's got a bit more space you know to process it and actually having a distraction can be really helpful because how do you even how do you even shower how do you even get out of bed how do you even talk to someone like when that trauma is right at the front of your mind Mm, I honestly I agree so much I think when sometimes a lot of the time I think when something like that happens in the immediate aftermath your body's just in like autopilot and I remember like for me I definitely just distracted myself I, I went for a job interview two days after Jim died and then started a, and then started a new job within like two weeks and I look back now and I'm like what was I thinking like but I was just it just hadn't even hit me at all like it was like it's weird I think your your mind is is like on a on a lag so like life keeps going but you're still like I don't know a a month a year behind and then suddenly you it, it catches up and you're like oh my god it's happened and then by the time you get to that point I found a lot of my friends and a lot of people's lives around us had like moved on so it's kind of hard, isn't it? That's so That's so true. And I think everyone who's grieving experiences this, where by the time they actually need support and help, a lot of other people, for them, life has just carried on. And that's, I mean, that's really sad. But you can understand that if you've never experienced grief before, you would assume that the first stage of grief is the hardest. Yeah. But for me, and I, it sounds like for you as well, and for loads of people listening, it is that, you know, like two years down the line or whatever, when you're just having a really, really bad day and you want them to be at the end of the phone call, but you feel that it was two years since they offered to mm. chat. Like, like, is that offer still valid? <laughs> By the way, I know it was two years ago, but can I, can, have you retracted that offer or can I take it up now? Yeah, exactly. And I think that a lot of people like they they're really well meaning with trying to help. But a lot of it does have a sort of it's like a sort of if you need me this week or if you need me like this month, then I'm here. But after that, my life will have moved on and I just won't know what to say. Mm. Um, So sort of please don't contact me. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with it. It will make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so important to have friends who are bereaved themselves because then the support is always there Mm. because they fully acknowledge that your really awful day randomly that's come up, like they totally get that and they're like, it's fine, we're here, we're ready. Mm. Our our offers of support do not have an end date. (laughs) We're just always here. I um I actually remember like the the way I initially came across you was from George Shelley's uh, documentary about losing his sister, and I remember in your little chat that you had, you said that you're you you just suddenly was it fainting that started happening like two years down the line, and you were like you went to the doctors and they said you'd only just started to grieve. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> that was mental, like. Yeah, I started, I started fainting 
well what I what I sort of thought was fainting and just really randomly like suddenly passing out and I went to the doctor and and they just said like really randomly have you experienced a bereavement and I was like yeah my mum my mum died two years ago but like what like why are you asking that that's a really random question to ask and um and they were like what well, I think I think what you're actually having here is like sort of panic attacks and and you're like passing out and you're just you know it's almost your body being like this is all just too much so we're just gonna faint <laughs> and hope it's different when our eyes open again you know like I'm out yeah I just imagine my body being like nope can't deal with that right now and that was when I really started to understand the huge connection with like our physical health and our mental health and how grief isn't just in your mind like it's a whole body experience and so like now something that I have is um IBS irritable bowel syndrome and that seems like your body's having an adverse reaction to food but what is actually happening is all the like like nerves in your gut are so like agitated by your grief that they they're like affecting like how your gut works and so actually my IBS yeah so even though it's like a really physical like thing that's happening and like if we go to the doctors you know they'll always talk about like medication you can take that helps but actually what helps me most is like self-care improving my mental health talking about my grief you know it's so weird to me but like the body is so like all connected and that was like a big realization for me yeah because that made me think like you know even if you're just feeling really tired and you're not sure why you're tired it's probably because your brain is like, we've got a lot going on up here. So we're just going to take a lot of energy to deal with all the stuff in your mind. And then you'll feel really tired afterwards. Wow, that is actually blowing my mind a little bit. Like, it makes so much sense, though, doesn't it? Like, I, I, I experienced physical impacts as well, like through grief. I ended up putting on a stack of weight and like, I was like, I mean, I was using it as a coping mechanism as well. Like I, I have recognized that, but I mean, I just couldn't understand why I just couldn't take control of my physical body. Like I almost, I tried everything. I was actually really, really trying and it just didn't seem to make a difference. And that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's really common for your body to almost just like panic and be a bit like, we, we just have no idea what's happening here. So mm-hmm. we're going to do this seemingly quite random thing that will leave you with all these weird side effects. But it's our way of being like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I know, it's actually wild. In the um little bio that you sent over to me a while ago um you mentioned that out of grief you've learned a new way of having a relationship with your mum and that you no longer cry every time you remember her how long did it take you to get to that point do you think because I think a lot of people going through grief might not be able to even fathom like when they might not feel upset all the time or when it might actually start to feel a bit better 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's so important because it's really the case that for the first few months or maybe even years, you just can't imagine like, you know, that statement is probably even a little bit offensive. It's like, how could I not be really, really upset? And I think it's almost it's almost hard to think about because you're sort of like, well, why wouldn't I be upset? I loved my mum and I miss her every day. So why wouldn't I be, why wouldn't I burst into tears every time I think about her? I think what happened slowly, and I'd say probably after three years of after mum died for me, um, I, I, I was shocked less by the fact that she had died. So at first I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my gosh, my mum died. What? Like it was a real sort of constant remembering of like that shock. And then maybe by about three years in, there was a lot less of that. And it was sort of a gradual process, but there was a lot less of that. And my brain was able to sort of accept, okay, this is like, this is what has happened. We still don't like it, but we now can process that it has happened. Mm. Um, And I think... I just started then to think think about mum and because of that acceptance that she died, you know, there's still plenty of times where I get really, really upset, but there's also times where I'm able to remember like happy memories or like funny memories. And it's really hard to give advice about grief because everyone's experience of it is so different. Mm-hmm. So for some people that might come after a year, for some people it might take decades. But I think most people that I speak to would say that by sort of three or four years in, it's getting sort of easier to to talk about and, and sort of be, you know, talk in a positive way, like on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about mum without it being complete trauma every time. And it still makes me sad, of course but it's like a manageable sadness. Um, I can sort of, you know, keep that conversation going without like bursting into tears or fainting or whatever my body wants to do. Yeah, (laughs) that's so true. And I think it's nice as well because I always try and imagine when I feel really down or whatever, imagine them next to me and how like mortified and heartbroken they'd be to see me so heartbroken over them. And I I just think it it would be so nice and it must be so nice for your mum to know that you're okay and that you're actually finding happiness in life again and that, you know, she's not causing you to be like in that state of trauma and pain anymore. And I think Jim would be the same. He'd be He'd be just willing me to get to the point where I'm like happy and like living life again because he would just be sat like oh my god like I just feel terrible that Grace is so upset yeah I think that's really true and you know people have different opinions about and, and beliefs about sort of you know where that person might be but whatever your beliefs are it's helpful to find some way of connection to that person mm-hmm. so one thing that I do a lot of is like writing almost I guess letters to mum but they're often more like just a diary entry 
and I, I've never like actually posted any of them or anything because there's nowhere to post them to but yeah. you know, just just sort of writing that down and, and feeling like in some way I'm sharing that with her um and um you know I mean one thing that's been really hard this year is that what I love to do is go and visit her grave and just sort of spend time with like the physical place that mm -hmm. we buried her um and I haven't been able to do that because of lockdown it's I I live a couple of hours away now from like where she's buried so it's not that easy to just sort of pop and see her but you know things like that are a really helpful way to maintain that connection and feel like they're still a part of your present day life you know even if they're not sort of like physically there next to you like they're still there's still that connection definitely they're still like relevant I think that's really powerful like I I know a lot of people get worried about bringing up the person that's died but for me I relish in it I'm like please can we talk about them because they're still alive if we talk about them like they still lived and it's so sad when we I think sometimes tarnish someone's entire lifetime just by the fact that they've died and because they've died the rest of their life now doesn't really seem to like be relevant or matter but that person lived a whole life still like how much did they do how many people did they impact how much like difference did they make and that's so relevant and valuable still just because they're not here anymore physically it doesn't mean that you know I don't know that just goes through my head a lot yeah it's so no that's so wise and it's so important to keep reiterating that message isn't it because I guess a lot of people are just scared of oh like for you if they talk about Jim that'll just make you really sad and you won't mm -hmm. want to talk so it's really important to be teaching people that we want to talk about that person mm -hmm. and obviously like yes there are there are times where if someone brought mum up that would make me upset but like it's not going to make me so upset that I hate you or you know yeah. it's like it, it's still such a positive thing even if I'm a little bit upset just to remember her and just to have that space and and what I love to do is just sort of like share you know if all my friends are chatting about like their mums I want to talk about my mum like I want to share a story or a memory or something mm. and what like why shouldn't I just because she's died doesn't make her any less real it just sort of means that all my stories are like, like pre-2015, so there's no like context that's relevant for today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's still important to share. Yeah, and I think as well that if if you if you feel like you can't do that, then that's like a double loss for you because A, you've lost your mum, and B, like why should you feel like you're not even allowed to like be included and talk about your mum, you know? That's like even harder but um one thing I do love to ask other people that have experienced loss because I've had some crazy dreams do you get those because oh yeah <laughs> please tell me more I am the queen of crazy dreams I also um, started sleep talking after oh, wow. mum died and like my sleep in general was just quite affected. But I think I actually spoke to um, 
a previous a counsellor that I was seeing a few years ago about this. And I said, like, what is my brain doing? And she said, you know, imagine you sort of get into work, you log in, you look at your emails, and there's just this, like, huge task that's awful and you you just cut you don't even know where to start and you can't deal with it obviously you're gonna just look for like anything else to avoid it and she said you know just think of your brain when it's asleep trying desperately to just think about literally anything other than your grief but also trying to think about your grief and deal with it and just like becomes this like crazy big mess in your mind and obviously in the day we're like suppress suppress like keep the crazy down but then at night your brain's like great here's the time we can just like go wild I can be and so, yeah exactly and so I think I've I've just always yeah had crazy dreams for a long time now and you know, like, I'll just wake up and I'll be like, what was just happening? Sometimes she's in them alive. Sometimes she's in them, but like, I, you know, I'm talking about her, but she's dead. Mm. Sometimes, but like, I mean, sometimes I'm not even myself in my dreams. Like, I have dreams that I am my mum or that I am like someone else in my life. My, I mean, my brain's just very messed up. <laughs> Yeah, last night I was with the cast of Bridgerton and we were all riding zebras. So that was fun. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I I was like, I wouldn't mind this being my reality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I've had some, like, I mean, everyone believes different things, but I ended up doing a lot of, like, Googling, dare I say, into, like, the meaning of dreams and how do spirits communicate and like a lot of it was through dreams and I I dare say you know I've had a few where they're so real and I see Jim and it's always a similar premise and a similar kind of dream but we talk and I love it and I wake up genuinely feeling like I've been with him and Yeah, I feel so blessed for that. I mean, whether it means something or not, I take so much from it. And I think, you know, I don't think there's a rush to try and like rationalise what it means or whether it's real or whether scientists can prove if if it's just the brain or the subconscious mind or whatever. But for me, I'm like, I just spoke to Jim. And how incredible is that? Like, And I think it's so, you're so right to not worry about like, you know, oh, what someone else might think or or what scientists might say, like, it's whatever it is, it's lovely and really helpful. Mm. So, like, just let it, just let it happen, I think. And I guess if anyone was listening and their dreams were maybe, like, less lovely and more painful, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, then I would then I would say, you know, maybe chatting to your doctor or chatting to your counsellor or something about that might be really helpful. But I think when they're positive like that, it's just such a blessing and just see it as like a gift yeah. from Jim. Yeah. Who knows how? Exactly. But let's not worry about that. <laughs> and I've had awful ones as well. I've had some really brutally like vivid ones of when he's been really ill and like just really traumatic like waking up crying and stuff because it's so vivid 
So I think, yeah, you just have to hold on to the nice ones and just hope that the other ones were just maybe like, you know, just little experiments or something in my head. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So also what I loved that you said earlier was how you prefer the version of yourself that you are now than who you were before. Can you expand a little bit on that? Like, what in what ways and how? what's made you realise that? Yeah, I think I was chatting to a friend recently, actually, about how experiencing grief at a young age really makes you sort of mature quite a lot quicker. And it, it sort of is like a, it's like the reality of adulthood hits you like, just really hard really fast and for me because of what I've been through I feel I'm more compassionate than I was before I feel you know I'm I'm able to to empathize and support people better even if it's not grief that they've been through if they've been through some kind of trauma I get it and and you know I can relate to that in some way and also I feel that in some ways I've I've sort of found like something that I love doing with running let's talk about loss and and I just I just like love that so much and I just think it's fantastic and then I'm obviously wish that my mum hadn't died to, to start it but like I'm so I'm so thankful that I've like found some good to come out of that horror that horrible situation and um yeah like just sort of quite quite proud of myself for 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 sort of finding that out of the pain that I was feeling um and so that that sort of makes me think like oh you know if this if this had to happen I don't know why it happened but it did happen to me but actually like some pretty good stuff has happened since then so maybe it's not all bad yeah (laughs) Oh yeah, what was it, what did you want to do when you were older before obviously all of this came about? I wanted to be a journalist and I've always been a writer and I was really into writing. Um, Yeah, and I wanted to be a journalist and then I actually still work, I work in marketing um, for a charity and I, I really love that. But I guess after mum died, I realised that I wanted to do something very meaningful. And that's why I now sort of work in the charity sector and then also sort of run Let's Talk About Loss as well, because it felt like, you know, you don't you you get your life, but it's not that long always. And, you know, you sort of think when when you've witnessed someone's life sort of be snatched away too early, you sort of, I think, feel I need I need to just do something here that that sort of makes me feel like I'm I'm not just like wasting my time here. Definitely. And I'm sure for you, like especially starting the podcast and stuff, like it just it just makes you feel like you're doing something sort of worthwhile mm-hmm. in in the time that you that you have. A hundred percent. I actually see it as such a blessing because I think I tried to see it as like the shock kind of slap in the face that you get when you experience grief makes you think like what the hell am I doing like it puts everything into perspective and all the menial 
bullshit that you kind of wasted your energy on before you just suddenly get this like such clear like such strong clarity on like what a waste of time it is or what isn't a waste of time and what you need to be doing more of and I I think that everybody gets that slap in the face at some point we just got it a lot earlier and I'm so grateful for that because people get that slap in the face in their 50s maybe when they've just got divorced or lost a job or got to a point where they're ill because of their job and they're like oh my gosh I actually don't enjoy this or I'm not actually making any difference to anybody else's life in any way so I'm like how lucky is that that I now you know know what is really important yeah and learn that lesson quite early so that we could help others Mm -hmm. I think as well basically the whole world has learned that lesson because of COVID. I feel that the pandemic was that slap in the face for a lot of people. And actually, I feel as someone who was already grieving, I was like there with open arms, like, welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to this horrible club that like, I've been in for a while and you've just joined. And then my like, slightly unempathetic alter egos like now you know what I've been fucking dealing with for like two years so (laughs) also now you can see why that time that you said that was very unhelpful for me (laughs) but yeah no I totally agree I think it in a way I've always thought this I know the pandemic is terrible has been awful and so heartbreaking for so many people but so positive and how it's changed a lot of our perspectives you know yeah yeah and made us realize what's important to Mm. focus on definitely and slow down a little bit I actually found it quite funny I think that they were talking about it on the the radio the other day that I'm actually getting a bit anxious for when the like the pace picks up again because I'm so used to it now (laughs) I know (laughs) there's this there's this um Someone, I think it's on TikTok or something, she does all these really funny videos where she's like, I never, you know, her friends are like, let's go out. And she's like, I don't want to go out. You don't want to go out. Like, why are we wasting our time making plans that neither of us actually want to do? That is literally my life. I'm like, (laughs) lockdown's a dream for me. Now I've got an excuse for like, yeah, I just don't want to do that. Literally, when it first happened and everyone was kicking off, I was like, this was always my life (laughs) nothing's changed yeah and I'm like have so much you know like time just to just to like do nothing Mm. now never really had that before I was always doing something Mm. so it's been yeah for me it's been such you know it's been awful in ways but it's actually been really nice to just Mm. slow down and like have some time out from the chaos of the world definitely and um some other exciting news is that i know you guys are having a book published for let's talk about loss tell us about that i think that's really exciting oh my gosh it's been like my childhood dream to, to like write a book and when i was younger i used to write like novels about like i don't know cats or whatever, like just anything like vet stories and all this and I'd like staple the pieces of paper together and be like look I've written a book um so yeah it actually 
I don't want to be one of those annoying people, but it was actually like when lockdown happened, I was like, okay, like I'm going to have a lot more time now. This is an idea I've, I've had for quite a while where, so the, the premise of the book is that people write stories to write letters, sorry, to their newly bereaved selves. So, you know, for example, I would write to Beth on um, the 3rd of July, 2015, day after my mum died, being like, okay, here's what to expect. Here's what's coming, you know, to provide that like reassurance. And the idea is that people who read that might be quite new to their grief or might never have experienced grief. And it will hopefully give them some insight and some like coping methods. And I just feel that in grief, there's a lot of hard lessons to learn and we all go through them like individually rather than like sharing that knowledge and experience so that we can like protect others from it. Um, and so, yeah, we've got 33 writers um, who are writing letters for the book. And then we've also got a, a quite a few people sort of providing, um, you, you know, like top tips or, or sort of, you know, creative ways to talk about your grief, things like that. So I'm really, really excited. Um, it's not being published until 2022 because okay. something I've learned is that the publishing process takes a very long time um but I'm just so excited and I think that the book hopefully will be a really helpful resource um you know for people and it's like really exciting because I also I love books I like just have a bookshelf that's like overflowing so I'm like oh my gosh I'll have a book with my name on it so yeah. exciting I think it's amazing like I wish I could have had that the day after I experienced loss but I think either way like whether you're new to loss or you know two three four five years in it will still be really valuable for people it's reassuring isn't it to read other people's stories and be like phew it's not just me it is it's more like you know just letting people know that how it's manifested for them is okay like however it looks whatever's happened you know whatever coping mechanisms you might have fallen into like there is no judgment here like it's all all fine yeah and it's almost certain that there's other people doing exactly the same thing like you're never you're never the only person who's like that um yeah I think one thing as well that I would I could just talk to you all day but I'd love to pick your brains about one thing that's been prevalent for a lot of people I've spoke to actually is like the is how much like obviously emotionally it sets you back going through a, a trauma like that but also like in every way it sets you back and there's a sense of sort of feeling left behind and and kind of off course I think when you experience something that's completely derailed you did you ever feel like, oh my gosh, all my friends are so ahead of me? Like, I feel like I've been forced to kind of freeze my life because I've got to now deal with this and I can't really move forward until I have. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I I wouldn't say that I experienced that loads, but I could sense that. I, after mum died, what I wanted was to like 
crawl into my bed for a year and like not have to just just not deal with anything but I actually felt for me for various reasons quite a lot of pressure to just like carry on and and like not to not to sort of pause in any way and so when mum died in the July I then went back to uni in the October for my third year and I really really wanted to drop out or to like you know just to defer a year but I just felt and there was a lot of people around me who were really lovely and they meant well but they kept saying things like oh you know you need to carry on because your mum would want you to or you know you need to finish uni to make your mum proud and so I just felt like I had to just like keep going and like keep up with everyone else and just get through all of that and so I actually don't feel I've ever really sort of paused or, or taken that break and I would say that that's probably been a negative thing in that I just haven't given my brain enough time to process and so <laughs> because I haven't given it space, my brain's just like taken space and usually at very inconvenient times, like when I'm at work or, you know, like just, so I think it's it's actually a really positive thing to do if you can to, to take a bit of time out. But I totally hear what you're saying that actually that in itself can, can be quite anxiety inducing because then you feel like everyone else has carried on mm. and you're like stuck in it uh -huh. um yeah I feel like both of those options have like good and bad which is just classic grief isn't it yeah there's always good and bad now in everything definitely yeah I think just any any kind of trauma in your 20s is just so hard because it just constantly feels like a race you know, and yeah. there is so much anxiety built up when, you know, you feel like other people, I know, like for me, even when I was at uni um, and there was a, f a couple of stints where Jim was really ill, like close call in intensive care and it just kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I used to just be like, it's so unfair that like all my friends just can just study and like have degree as their biggest worry when yeah. I wish it was my biggest worry like my biggest worry yeah. is whether my brother's gonna live or not you know yeah. just I used to get so angry because I'd like overhear people in the library at uni being like oh, oh you know like third is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me and like you know there's nothing harder than and I was like how dare you like like behind them seething I know and I'd be like getting like so angry but I'd be really scared to say anything so I'd usually just leave yeah. but it is it is really the case that like it's been hard as well with the pandemic because I think you know a lot of people have really struggled with the pandemic and I totally get that and that's totally valid but for people who are grieving it it can be quite it can be really hard to hear mm. you know someone moaning about like not being able to go and see their family because you're like, well... At least you fucking have your family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't ever get to do that anymore. So, like, why are you moaning about that? And I think that that anger and that frustration, it's, it's really normal and we shouldn't be ashamed of it Definitely. because, you know, that's we've experienced this trauma. We shouldn't have to sugarcoat 
everything we say you know it's fine to be angry sometimes maybe not all the time but sometimes yeah have your moment let it out yeah what I'd love to finish on I think would be what a piece of advice would you give to somebody that's maybe very new to a to bereavement um maybe lost someone even during covid like from covid and or you know someone that's maybe had been bereaved for years but has not maybe like knows that they haven't dealt with it yet what advice um and reassurance would you give to them yeah i would say just start talking about it but then i need to caveat that because it's so easy to say talk about how you're feeling and it is so hard to do that so for me I only started talking at the point where like as I said I was I was fainting you know the doctor said I think you're having panic attacks it was like I hadn't it wasn't even that I'd been knowing that I should talk about it but not talking about it it was just that like it felt it felt such a shock to me and so unconscious that I think I just hadn't, I just hadn't even realised that I needed to start talking about it. And so I expect that for a lot of people, they might think, well, I do, you know, I do talk about it. Or, you know, I think the thing, the thing that I would say is finding someone who has also been bereaved to talk to and asking them those questions, like, you know, like you've asked me today like you know do you have these dreams as well is it just me that's feeling like this and maybe just sharing with them some of that the the pain that you're feeling or or even if you're feeling quite positive you know just sharing with them how you're feeling it it then sort of opens up that part of you that's like okay this is something that's safe to talk about and it's not the case that it will always be painful to talk about so so sort of just having that first initial, like maybe really scary conversation, you know, can can start that process. And the sad reality of grief is that you cannot just ignore it. You have to go through it and you have to go through the pain. So if you're trying to just like bury it, bury it, bury it, I'm really sorry to have to say this, but that is not going to work forever. So actually just finding those people around you who you can, you know, have safe conversations with and, and feel you can start opening up to is just is just my main piece of advice, really. Mm. And I think just the other thing to say is, like we said earlier, however you're feeling is totally normal, totally fine. You're not weird. You're not crazy. You're just grieving. And like there's a whole community of people out there who are like, yep. Yeah, we feel exactly the same. Welcome to the really awful but fun club that we're in. <laughs> Definitely. No matter how weird or abnormal you think it is, it's not. Did you ever find that you you just turned into like a completely different you? Like, did you ever have any like, I don't know, situations or arguments or did it ever kind of come out in weird ways? There's definitely been times because I'm a very non-confrontational person, but there's definitely been times where like words have come out of my mouth and I've been like, who said that? <laughs> that was, was that me? 
And I, especially at first, like I was so angry about mum dying that I did take that out on other people and, and, you know, said things that I basically instantly regretted. But, you know, I don't, I sort of don't feel bad about that because like, of course, like, of course I was going to say, yeah. you can't, you can't just experience grief and then walk around being all like perfect. No. You're in pain. Like it's totally normal and acceptable to just say things that, you know, you just regret. And do you know what? One time I just remembered this really funny memory. It was, um, it was Mother's Day and we just had a meetup um, in Nottingham and uh, a friend had bought me some flowers because she knew obviously it being Mother's Day, you know, that was quite a hard day for me. It was so lovely of her. And then I was on the tram on the way home and this like, you know, like those middle-aged guys and he was like a bit overweight and he was a bit leery and he, I, he might have even been a bit drunk and he was just like, oh, they for your mum? And I went, no, my mum's dead. <laughs> and I like shouted it and like the whole, you know, like if you've been on a tram, like they're just open all the way down. Yeah, everyone the whole, here. The whole tram was like, oh my gosh what did that girl just say oh my god and he was like he was just went like oh and like he didn't even say anything he just made some like noises oh but I was just like that is so I don't even know where it came from yeah I was like I'm just so raging about this and I did feel bad afterwards but then I was like no like why was he even talking to me leave me alone I'm just on the tram I, I don't think you should feel bad at all. And I, I found as well, like, I found it really... I think people should... Sometimes people aren't as understanding and I think it's really unfair to put expectations on people, you know, who have... You know have been through something awful to, to be anything other than a bit shit, you know? Because yeah. it's just not fair to hold people to the same you know expectations as a a normally functioning human yeah and I always think why does it have to be the person who's grieving who like is really you know articulate and like can say how they're feeling like why why is that pressure on us yeah we're the ones who've just experienced a trauma we're like we should be let off it's almost it always feels to me like you know if someone broke their leg and then you'd be like, right, you walk up the stairs to go and get that thing. You'd be like, why? They just broke their leg. They obviously can't do that very well. Whereas, and then when you're grieving, people are like, tell me what you need from me. Or like, tell me how you're feeling. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know I know people mean obviously so much wellness and kindness through it, but I, I think yeah. it would be powerful if we could, you know, communicate to people that I know that in the moment of like madness I needed people to take control and like and and just do things for me rather than offer to do things for me if I need it like just do it for me anyway type thing because I don't think you can ever and if you are you are just a bit of a dick like I don't think you can ever be offended by somebody just being kind you know and like if somebody offered you something or a, a kind gesture 
I don't you would never be like annoyed about it would you you just no no. and it's just you know I probably did need the thing that you offered but I just I just didn't even realize or I couldn't even put into words that I needed it yeah so I never asked for it but actually if you'd just done it that would have been really helpful. Yeah. I know. Oh, I feel like I'm starting to sound like I don't appreciate people's kindness when they were supporting me, but I do. I honestly do. I'm just... <laughs> I'm like, no, you're so amazing. But it's about... I know a lot of my friends have said, tell me how, how I can be better. Because that is the reality. Like you said right at the start, grief will happen to everyone. So if we can learn from experience and get better at supporting people, then the next time, you know, another friend is bereaved, you're like there, you're ready, you know what to say. And that would be really helpful. Yeah, at least that is one positive thing. You know, you can really connect to other people that have been through it. And there's almost like this unspoken language, like, you know, you get it. And that is, yeah, really valuable to people. Um, and also everyone make sure if you have experienced bereavement go check out let's talk about loss what have you got have you got a group in pretty much every city now yeah yeah we have 29 groups now how crazy is that I just can't (laughs) I know it's just growing all the time so we've got groups all over the UK obviously at the moment they're meeting online so actually it's a really great opportunity for like even if there isn't a group near you you can just join any group because they're all just on zoom Mm. um and then each group has like a facebook a closed facebook group where you know you can chat like between meetups and that's a really helpful place like if you're a bit scared to come along to a meetup you can just sort of like chat in a facebook group a bit um so yeah do check it out it's at talk about loss on all socials I actually haven't finished with the quick fire questions. I might quickly just do these. Got to answer in three words or less, okay? Best piece of advice you've been given? Um, oh, that's hard in three words then or yeah, less. I'll allow. Um, okay, this you'll have to allow this because this is what my mum always said. Wow. Treat others as you wish to be treated. Biggest achievement that you're most proud of? Um, writing about grief in The Independent. Nice. Favourite book? Kenzuki's Kingdom by Michael Morpurgo. That is my, that was my childhood favourite book. Still is. And finally, the mantra that you live by? Be kind. Love that. Oh, Beth, thank you so much, honestly. My heart is full. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy to chat to you and I can't wait. Um, listen to more of the episodes as well thank you for listening to this episode of the comeback club podcast if you enjoyed it please take a second to rate review and subscribe as this really makes such a difference in helping other people find us too for more inspiration resources and helpful content follow us on instagram at the comeback club or check out our website at thecomebackclub.co.uk and remember you've got this